Mayday. Come in. Mayday. Mayday, do you read me? Mayday. We're trapped. We're trapped in the triangle. In the Bermuda Triangle. Please, help us. The ground is arid. The water, silty, undrinkable. We need immediate assistance. We're struggling to cope, to survive. Mayday, you have to help us. People are dying down here. Mayday, Mayday! Is what you expected to hear, but what you didn't expect to hear was this. Welcome to the Bermuda Triangle podcast with me, Keith Burt. I'm Keith. It's me. I'm Keith Burt. That's right. This is the inaugural episode of the Bermuda Triangle podcast, the first and only current affairs podcast reporting on the comings and extremely rare goings of people stuck in the Bermuda Triangle. The main goings being painful death caused by malnutrition or exotic disease. Now, I imagine a lot of you are thinking, what the flip is Keith up to? What the F is going on? Well, to put it simply, I've been doing a bit of thinking recently. To put it less simply, for the last three weeks, I've been piloting a sturdy vessel of ideas through the middle of a brainstorm that's been relentlessly raging within my skull. And whilst piloting that vessel, I was having a tryst below decks with Lady Thought herself. And let's just say she's been snogging manoggin and... Um, uh, oh, <laughs> she has had her way with me. I've lost my train of thought. Um... Oh, uh, basically, I've been feeling a bit hemmed in creatively, okay? And I thought it would be good for everyone's morale if I converted my monthly slot in the old distress hut into an uplifting half hour of current affairs talk radio. Oh, Keith, what are you doing? Um, same cue right back at you, Sue, uh, Susan. <clears throat> I'm on air as per the rotor. You're meant to be broadcasting Mayday signals, not chatting into the microphone like Terry Wogan. Uh, sorry, Wogan? Bloody hell, Susan, that's a bit of a dated reference. All right, some other hip personality that has a talk show on the wireless, then. Christ alive, where to start? Hip? Wireless? How long have you been stuck here? Since 1987. Look, Keith, this isn't a radio station, it's a distress beacon. Depress beacon, more like. Oh, how is this helping us get rescued? OK, you want to have this conversation now, do you, Susan? Sit down. Keith, this is just not appropriate. Come on, let's have it out. This is what the Bermuda Triangle podcast is all about. OK, we'll let the listeners decide. Yes, that's it. Come on, sit down. OK, Susan, I'm getting the impression that you don't want me to do my podcast. Yes, that's right. But you're perfectly happy for Sharon to make professional-grade sleeping equipment out of dried leaves and beetle semen. It's completely different. And I seem to remember that you were all right with Colin tearing those toddlers from the burning fuselage of that Boeing 747 that crashed the other week. Colin? Saved 23 people from that wreckage, Keith. And don't I know it. He's not stopped going on about it since. My point is that I don't go round to Sharon's little outcrop and crack her in the temple, then set fire to her plant-based sleeping apparel. Neither did I try and drown out the terrified screams of the aluminium-encased toddlers to stop Colin from playing the hero. And there's nothing Alan Whittaker can say to prove otherwise, OK? If that's what they're good at, then let them get on with it. Agreed? 
Well, yes, if they're helping us to survive, Keith. So I think it's a little bit rich that you've come round here to stop me from doing what I'm good at, provoking light-hearted conversational tidbits in a studio setting. Why not try something a little more low-key? Like, uh, like, like that musical medley you did the other month. Um, it was a showcase. Yes. Everyone loved that. Did they? Yes. It was a bit long. Right, well, you tried doing the costume change from Jean Vajon to Mr Mistopheles when those costumes are made of leaves. Look, Keith, this podcast thing is making everyone very uneasy. Susan... People always fight against innovation. It's been the same throughout human history. Look at Galileo or Paul O'Grady. You know, both nearly burnt at the stake. The truth is that I can't help thinking outside the box, OK? And right now, that box is this shed on top of a sand dune, on top of a cliff, OK? I mean, I did drama at uni, for God's sake. I got a bloody two... It doesn't matter what I got. The point is, I'm a creative If someone turns around and says, oh, hey, Keith, you know, you go and sit in that shed for 30 minutes once a month and say mayday over and over again. My mind is instantly jumping to lighting, sound effects, drapes. How can we do something different with it? Now, this might be avant-garde. I'll give you that. It's avant-garde distress, but it's still distress. Not if there are no mayday signals. Oh, here we go. No mayday signals, did you say? Then what do you call this? Mayday. Mayday. It's a mayday up in here. I have no idea. What do you call that? It's a bloody mayday signal. They don't all have to be tinged with sadness and desperation, you know, the way you idiots do it. Oh, Keith, please. They can be entertaining and they're great to segue between parts of the show. I've got loads of them. Listen. If there's anyone out there, please send help. Please send help. Say if anyone's listening... If anyone's listening, please send help. Please send help. They're not just club anthems either. I've got a jazz one, a punk rock one. I mean, how many Maydays was that? I've got bloody loads of them. What the hell is everyone complaining about? Is this why you wouldn't help etch SOS into the cliff face the other day? You were too busy recording tracks like bloody Des O'Connor. Ho ho! I mean, another open goal with the antiquated reference there, but we'll park that for now. That just sums up the difference in approach here perfectly. You're all stone tools and cliff faces, and I'm all microphones and inputs and whatever this is. I don't really know what most of this stuff is called, to be honest. It's quite technical. But I'm the modern man, OK? This is how distress is done in the 21st century, Susan. And we won't get into the fact that you've now given a green light to graffiti on the island. Oh, Keith, we've been through this. We're doing our best to find the person responsible for drawing the phallus. I don't really want to talk about it, Susan. Haters going to hate, you know. I'm just getting on with appealing to listeners of all tastes out there. Not scribbling... A cock and balls with your face on The it. SOS letters is what I was talking about. But these Mayday signals, Keith, they're not exactly serious cries for help, are they? At least not the kind we need. Let me ask you this, Susan. What's a potential rescuer more likely to listen into? Huh? They turn their radio on every day and hear the words Mayday. Oh no, Mayday. Ah, oh, get it off, I'm sick of it. That's what they say. But if they suddenly tune in and hear a Mayday jingle with a heavy techno beat, or me having an interesting discussion about 
uh, I don't know, sand, they might turn it up a bit. Oh, what's this? This sounds interesting. They listen in a bit closer. I might mention that we're stuck in the Bermuda Triangle. They go, oh no, look, we better go rescue this guy. Find out what else he has to say about lakes or Sir John Gilgood. And I'm not being cruel, Susan, when I say that at the minute, I'd have to think twice about letting them rescue you as well, or anyone else for that matter. Oh, lovely. Look, Susan, I understand your worry, but ultimately... I'm just trying to get us rescued as much as everyone else is. I'm just trying to do it in a way that's a bit more outside the box, you know? And I'm sorry if that worries you, and I'm sorry if that worries everyone else. But ultimately, if you don't want my help, you've only to say. We don't want your help. Right. I will burn this place down to the ground, Susan. I will. I will burn it down to the ground. Oh, for sake, Keith. You forced me into this. Is that a lighter? Keith, where did you get a lighter from? Oh, now I've piqued your interest, have I? We have been using rocks and flint to start fires on the beach, Keith. Why didn't you say you had a lighter? Well, how else do you light a scented candle, genius? You can't hold it over a fire. The wax will melt! You've got scented candles! Here we go. If I can't have a bit of me time on a tropical island, then honestly, what is the point? There we go. Okay, Keith, just calm down, okay? I I will talk to the others and maybe we can come to some sort of arrangement for you to do your podcast thing. Right, just podcast will suffice. But for God's sake, don't damage any of the equipment. And can you not grimace like that, I'm, please? I'm, I'm not grimacing. You are grimacing. No, I'm not. You're holding the light aflame below your chin and grimacing. <laughs> If you're trying to look threatening, it's not working. Uh, well, I'm not. This is a very serious situation, Keith. I hope you understand that. I'm going to leave now, okay? Can you put the lighter down, please? Fine. Okay, fine. Thank you. I'll let you know what the others say about the podcast. Yes. Jeez. What an appalling person. Please close. I'm out of the room, Keith. Uh, Keith. And what? What? Uh, what fragrance are the candles? Some lemon and hibiscus. Uh, if you if you wanted to perhaps leave one outside my tent tonight um, as a olive branch, then um. Well, I have actually got an olive branch smelling oh, candle. Right. No, thank you. Fine. It's um, probably a good time for a segue now. Now this one goes out to all you smooth listeners. Mayday, come help us please. So there we have it, our very first interview. And there'll be more cutting-edge debate in a few moments when I'll be interviewing the very first person stranded on the island, World War II pilot Captain Hercules Twitch. But now, a quick word from our sponsors. I'm thrilled to announce that today's episode is sponsored by Tim Foster's Plums, the only plum garden... Oh, right. Um, Tim has always wanted to create a plum with heft, which is why his shiny purple stallions are 30 times denser than your average plum. Unlike other plum farmers, probably, Tim only uses water and the island's hyper-fertile soil to grow his yield. So head on down to Tim Foster's Plum Garden now 
and receive 50% off your first purchase by whispering the code CUPMYPLUMS into the ear of one of the volunteers, who unfortunately don't have an identifiable uniform, but do have a recognisable gravitas. Um, although I would watch that because I personally was caught short. Um, there's a bit of a misunderstanding between me and Mindy Sinclair. I thought she worked there. She didn't. Um, I tried to redeem my offer. But now, now actually, b- before people start accusing me of inappropriate behaviour, she was very willing. Tim's Plums. Big on quality, little on price. Ah, uh, okay. I see Tim's decided to take advantage of the old legislative black hole in terms of copyright there. Um, I think we can assume that little doesn't have much jurisdiction over here. And, uh, well, I mean, it is a good slogan, so fair play to him. Uh, I have actually had the pleasure of eating one of Tim's plums and can attest to the density of the rascals. Um, In fact, I'd offer a little word of warning to anyone who, like me, eats plums whole, um, mainly because I can't bear walking around holding a salivary pip between my forefinger and thumb while looking for a bin. Um, The increased density does mean you can feel a perfect ball of plum inside your stomach. Also, the plum skin is really very thick. My stomach acid didn't seem to stand a chance of dissolving it. As a result, I actually felt the plum navigate my entire digestive system. And when I eventually passed it, it was still completely intact, if a little less dusty. And uh, where were we? Ah, of course, uh, Tim Foster's plums. Give them a try. Dance plums. And now it's time for our second interview. And oh boy, uh, or girl, um, oh boys and girls, it is uh, 2021 after all, if Mr Jacobson's mad etchings in the sand can be trusted, uh, which is doubtful actually as the sea washes his tally system away each night. Why he doesn't adopt a more permanent approach like scratching the days into a boulder or palm beats me, but there's clearly a method to his madness, despite most people writing the guy off as having shit for brains. Well, not me, Mr Jacobson. Not me. Although, uh, if he did have shit for brains, it would explain the smell of the fella. Anyway, boys and girls, have we got a treat in store for you. This next segment is one that will interest the whole family. So stop your foraging, get the kids round the fire pit, pour yourself a lukewarm cup of cloudy water and enjoy. Everyone join me. In an almighty mayday. 76 years ago, Captain Hercules Twitch lost control of his small fighter plane. The steering wheel was, as they say in the aeronautical business, an utter pile of wank. And, as a result, he crash-landed here on the island. And Captain Twitch is here to tell us all about it. Ha <laughs> ha! Are you all right? Yep, I'm fine. Did you get that? You kicking the door down? Yep. Yes, no, the listeners would have heard it. Yeah. Great! Great, I always prefer kicking doors to fondling knobs. Okay. Mm. Now, um, first of all, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast. <laughs> What's that? Uh, the podcast? It's a nonsense word. I mean, uh, no, a podcast is sort of, um, well, it's sort of like a, like a radio show, but you sort of... Um, I don't care. Yeah, fine. Um, Well, what I was hoping for is that you'd be able to tell us a little bit about what the island was like when you arrived. I'm guessing it was quite different from the 1940s Britain you left. (laughs) Uh, Germany, actually. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, what's that? I I lived in Germany during the war. Um, 
Wh- why? Oh, friendly people, relaxed atmosphere. Uh, Connysburger Klops, which is a, a sort of meatball in white sauce with capers. It's really delicious. Right. Well, sorry, you, you did fight during the war, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for which side? The best one. OK. Uh, it looks like you might be implying something I don't really want to know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not important. Uh, next question. Uh, what were you doing flying around this part of the world? Well, it was 1945 and I was trying to flee to South America. Yes. Because I was a Nazi. No, the island, okay? The island, the island, the island is what people want to hear about. You know, what was it like being the first person to crash here? How did you feel? Well, I felt quite liberated, which is the opposite of what I would have felt if I'd stayed in Germany. Not a chance they would have let me off. I guess, I guess what I'm interested in is what was the first thing you did on the island? Oh, I did what anyone else in my position would have done. I followed my training, mounted my machine gun, on the wreckage of my plane and shot anything that moved, which turned out to be pretty much everything as it goes. The animals on the island had never seen a human before or an MG-45 mounted machine gun, so they were pretty docile, I think you'd call it. Yes, thick as shit. Exactly. Yeah, a couple of spanners short of a toolbox. (laughs) Yeah, a strudel short of a tea party. (laughs) That's a good one, yeah. A a maraca short of a salsa. A salsa short of a fajita. (laughs) Yes, um, a fajita short of an old El Paso. (laughs) A panda tank short of a blitz. Okay, no, I'm thinking more of like an orange short of a fruit bowl. A bulk (laughs) short of a reich! (laughs) That's right. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's move on. So I spent the first couple of days just slaughtering these stupid, stupid beasts. And within the first week, I managed to make about 60% of them extinct. Oh, wow. A fortnight later, I'd carried off most of the remaining 40%. Yeah, hence the island is pretty much a naturally barren wasteland. Well, the place suddenly looked a lot bleaker once I'd finished with it. It reminded me a little bit of Stalingrad, actually, where I'd spent a lot of time. Yeah, no, we don't need to. In the German army. Yeah, okay. Which was rammed with Nazis. Like me. I'm a Nazi. Yeah, the toothpaste's out of the tube now, isn't it? It's not going back in. Tell us about the animals. Oh, they were horrifying. Really, really gross. Like, nothing I'd ever seen before. For example, there were elephants. But with tusks. Let that sink in. Um, yeah, I think elephants have tusks. Poisonous horses, too, with bright black and white coats. Yeah, they sound like zebras to me. I, I, I'm not an expert, but I know what I like. And I'll tell you something I didn't like is when, from the undergrowth, a sort of fat thumb with legs emerge. Okay, hippo. That's a hippo. So, sorry, do you, do you not know what animals look like? Well, I was born in 1923. It's not a, a bumper year for animals. You've never been to a zoo or anything? There are no zoos around? Nope. Hmm, right. Yeah, so, so anyway, this hippo, as you say. Hippo. Hippo. Yeah, hippo. 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 This hippo came right up to me, and I was able to actually rest the barrel of my gun on its snout and press the end between its mad eyes. You know, really make sure that gun was in dead centre and get some decent grounding in my legs. The whole time it didn't move a muscle. Then, bang. Oh, right. And that was the first few weeks on the island, really. Just knackering all the wildlife. And what, what did you do with all the dead animals? Ate them! I'd been on rations for the last six years, so I was pretty famished. 
Suddenly, I've got an all-you-can-eat buffet in front of me, and let me tell you, the combination of food I had were bizarre. Yeah, well, that's the buffet effect, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I was eating kidneys right next to bits of foot. Mm. Wandering aimlessly from carcass to carcass, piling it onto the wing of my plane as a, an enormous plate, and using one of the propellers as a sort of shovel. I could not get that stuff in my mouth fast enough, and I just sat there, blood dripping down my chin, the fetid carcass of these grotesque creatures strewn about me. Well, it's uh, not exactly the family-oriented image I was expecting to craft in the first episode, to be honest. Oh, it's family-friendly stuff you're after, is it? Oh, you you should have said, oh, no, I've got a great story about some funny talking frogs. Oh, yeah, (laughs) all right, that sounds more like it, yeah. Oh, great, that's that's a very good story. So... I'd been on the island about six weeks and I was walking through part of the dense jungle bit and these little frogs just hopped out. Oh, really? What, what, what sort of frogs? What, what do they look like? Well, they were, you know, frogs. They were walking upright on two legs, massive yellow eyes and a couple of antennae at the top of their heads. OK, that's not what a frog looks like. I am amazed. I really am. I mean, you must have seen a frog, for God's sake, a man of your years. Actually, that's a point. How old are you? Hmm, about 103. Jesus. Really? I mean, you look and sound about 20. Well, that's how old I was when I crashed here. Not aged since. Oh, you must have superior genes. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, no, actually, no, 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 no. Oh, well, no one ages here at all, really. Well, that changes things. <laughs> it makes you wonder if it's worth getting rescued at all. Um, oh, and before you say anything, Susan, if you're listening, that was obviously a joke, OK? I'm joking. Although it is fantastic news. The amount of money I've spent on moisturiser... What do you think causes that? Is it, is, it, is it the heat? Well, the frog said it has something to do with a vortex, I think. Vortex? I think I've heard of that. Is, is that a brand? Uh, more like the Bermuda Triangle being a sort of interdimensional space-time continuum stroke doorway between galaxies. You know, that kind of toss. Oh, so, so these frogs, they did actually speak, did they? Oh, yeah, yeah. They approached me right off the bat, which I'd just finished eating. And they said, take us to your leader, which was going to be difficult because he just shot himself in the head in Berlin. Yeah, it's just we're not interested in Berlin, OK? Let's stick with the frogs now. So I said, well, that looks like it'll be me. To be honest, the conversation was a little laboured. We discovered that we have very little in common and that none of us really had any personality. Uh, so we got talking about politics, which they really interested in. Oh dear, yeah, I see where this is going. They loved all the stuff about the Aryan race and Laban's realm. They took a couple of my armbands, actually. Oh Christ, I hadn't noticed you were wearing those. Then they said something about me being the doorkeeper between our world and theirs, which I said wasn't such a great idea as I spend a lot of my time kicking the shit out of doors. And they said that's exactly what they were looking for. They stuck a probe up my ass and said they were going to spread the Nazi doctrine, which I assumed was a euphemism, amongst their own kind. And that when their planet had undergone its ideological revolution, the probe would be activated and beam Earth's coordinates into deep space to allow them to find their way back here and subjugate the planet under their iron will. I'm sorry, Twitch. I wasn't listening to a goddamn thing. I've just realised that those are little swastikas embroidered into your cape. Oh yeah, pretty cute, right? No, not really. No. I think it's probably best we bring things to a close, if I'm honest. What the F is that? <laughs> Speak of the devil. It's the probe I was just talking about. Is that, is that coming from your ass? It is indeed. This is quite exciting. It must be time. Time? Time for what? I've just kicked another door down, Keith. Only this time, it's an interstellar door. And I've done it with my anus. How do we stop it? Why would you want to stop it? What is it even doing? It's sending coordinates. Where? Into space. 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 space.
Houston, we're picking up a signal here. Can you confirm audition? Copy. Unidentifiable signal. It's not coming from us. We're trying to decode the message. Roger. Wait a second. What is that? Earth is ours. 
Hello. Hello. Uh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I think we're back. Uh, sorry about that, everyone. We seem to be having a few issues with the signal there. Well, uh, thanks very much for listening to the very first episode of the Bermuda Triangle podcast. Um, Captain Hercules Twitch has had to leave, unfortunately, because of a few issues with his um, arsehole. But thank you to him, I suppose. Probably won't be having him back on the podcast, if I'm honest. Um, but I hope you found the show more engaging than the usual tripe that's broadcast on here anyway. Um, join us next time when my guest Roger Smethick will be talking us through all the myriad ways you can use coconut shells, from wearing them as a bra to making clip-cloppy horsey noises to... Uh, well, that's probably about it, to be honest. But I am looking forward to it, and you would be coconuts to miss it. <clears throat> okay, now, um, according to the rotor, I'm going to leave you in the very capable hands of Tony. Over to you, T-Dog. Tony. Cheers. Mayday. 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 The Bermuda Triangle podcast was written and performed by me, Cody Darla, with Max Davis, Tom Neenan, and Sophie Dixon. Original music by Craig Carrington Porter. I'm Keith Burt. <laughs>